break time is over. It's CL. Y'all know what time? Uh. The mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the fans' voice. You hit them both cams. This what the people need. Yeah. Turn up. What's happening? What's going down, people, people? It's your homie, homie CL, and I'm back live on a rundown sports. Gotta know that. And I'd like to thank y'all for joining me, however y'all joining me. And uh, today, got a special guest. I have Sekou Smith from NBA.com's Hang Time blog and podcast. Um, he does that show with Lane Whitaker and Rick Fox. Um good dude stayed right out here in atlanta so uh you know even though we was on skype we were damn near 10 minutes from each other all day but uh before we get into that um basically this is the start of a new podcast under the rundown sports umbrella um not sure exactly what it's going to be called quite yet but just know uh, you can always find it at therundown.com. It'll definitely be on iTunes, probably have some new art, new logo, new everything. So uh, y'all stay tuned for that. And uh, y'all just get used to uh, some of these interviews, uh, kind of get into some of the intricacies that we don't never get to discuss too much when we just talking X's and O's. Uh, this will be more of a sports entertainment podcast Um so we're going to have a mix of, you know, of course, sports, music, and not just hip-hop. We might go a little bit outside and see what else we can pull in. Um, definitely want to talk movies, television, you know, books, the whole nine, man. I, I really want to get everybody involved with what I'm trying to do with the rundown. So uh, I'm not going to hold this podcast up. Uh, Sekou was very gracious with his time and so gracious I had to go ahead and split the podcast up into two parts. Uh so uh, I'll catch y'all on the other side on part two. Y'all enjoy my chat with Saiku Smith. What's going on, people? People, it's your homie, homie CL, back live on the Rundown Sports. And um, got a very special guest probably my most legit guest out of everybody that I've had on the podcast um, from NBA.com's Hang Time Blogging Podcast. I have Sekou Smith. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm just fine. I'm a little excited. I'm trying to kind of hold it in and maintain my composure. <laughs> nah, man, it's all good. I'm glad to join you, man. And uh, two of my favorite interests you know, coincide with two of yours, obviously, in uh, sports and hip-hop. So it's a good uh, good to get a chance to talk to you. Okay, well, uh, I might have to sneak a few hip-hop questions in and uh, kind of find out your taste about it. Yeah, I'm old school now. I, don't, I mean, I, my 
I got teenagers and they know all the latest songs and I'm still stuck in the mid nineties, man. I'm an outcast cat. So I'm, I'm like, uh, in a 1990s time warp. So take okay. it easy on me. Okay. Well, screw it then. I'm, I'm just asking about that right now. Um, <laughs> you say you're an outcast fan in like early nineties. What's up? What's your favorite outcast CD? You know, I, I love all of them, obviously. Um, I, I like songs as much as I like CDs. I like all of outcasts, the early stuff. Um, it's kind of like the soundtrack of my my college years, you know what I'm saying? Okay. But uh, one of the songs that people don't really, that's kind of off the radar, that I still play when I jump in my truck today, man, is uh, is from the New Jersey Drive soundtrack, Benzo or Beamer, which is one of my all-time favorite beats and, and songs that I've ever heard, man. I just, it's just, to me, it's quintessential, you know, outcast. And it, and it bumps now like it did back in the day. And uh, I like to see people's eyes light up when they get in my truck and look here and they're like, what song is that? <laughs> and I'm like, come on, man, you got to do your homework. You know, you got to know, can't just can't just rock albums. You got to rock tracks. You got to know everything that your favorite artist did in order to really get a, a full appreciation for them. Right. And uh, that kind of defines what a true fan is. You know what I'm saying? Because if you just, uh, when a single come out, you jump on it. You know, you're just a spectator. It's uh, just kind of like these bandwagon fans when they come to these NBA teams. <laughs> yeah, you got to do your homework, man. And, and listen, the internet has made this pursuit of, of whatever your, you know, specific topic is, you, you like an explorer now, man. You can go back and study stuff that you would have taken hours and hours to do uh, when I was a young person. So, like I said, I got teenagers and, you know, I... I took my daughter to the uh, Chris Brown, Tiger and Trey songs concert, uh -oh. man. And she knew every word of every song until they brought Keith Sweat out. And then she turned to me and said, who was that? <laughs> and I was like, what? Who is that? I'm like, oh, you know, so you get, you know, you get educated and then you got to do some educating when it comes to, uh, to, uh, you know, music, whether it's popular music or stuff the kids think is old school or not. I was surprised. To realize that Keith Sweat is considered old school now, it made me feel. Old. <laughs> and that's like you know that I'm kind of the exception to the rule because I'm such an audiophile. Me being in the music so much, um, you know what's considered old school to a lot of people. You know, I just consider that music from a while ago. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm very familiar with Keith Sweat. Um, you know, I even go back to a lot of those uh, New Jack Swing records around that time period as like some of my favorite music to kind of like get me in the mood to clean my house. <laughs> yeah, man, that's that's the music of my youth, man. I mean, I remember when NWA, you know, first dropped and, and me and my buddies rode around and somebody was like, I think it was in somebody's mom's Bonneville, flipping the cassette over and over, riding around town just so we could learn the lyrics. Like we had to learn, learn every word to every song immediately. We burned up a lot of gas right around my hometown listening to NWA when they first came out because it was groundbreaking stuff, you know. And I go back further now, that obviously. Um, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm 42 years old. I, I remember hip-hop in its infancy. Um, you know, it's been the, the one common thread for my generation since we were little kids is growing up with hip-hop. But there are seminal moments, you know, and when I, like I said, when I was a teenager, NWA coming out was earth. It was it was groundbreaking. It was earth shattering for us because we had never heard anything so clever, so you know, uh, absolutely just diabolical and it's just in your face. It's reach 
impact. Yeah, it was just it came at you so hard, and I was like, man, you know, we could not get enough of it. We had to learn every line, and believe me, we did riding around uh, that summer. We every, every single word. Okay, well, um, you kind of dated yourself when you did bring up that cassette tape. <laughs> um, but let's talk about you know where you're from. Um, you you are from Grand Rapids, Michigan, right? Um, yeah, man, born and raised. Um, and, uh, you know, from a long line of, you know, folks who have, you know, roots in the South, obviously, you know, my uh, my dad is born and raised for a few years in Tupelo, Mississippi, I, you know, left there as a young boy um, and, and found his way to Grand Rapids, Michigan, you know, by the time he was in high school and graduated from there. And um, my mom, who's passed on, you know, it's, it's also grew up in high and went to high school in, in my hometown of Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I'm uh, I'm the fourth of five kids and uh, uh, proud to be born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, that's oh, what's that's... up, man. Because, um, you know, I'm from Saginaw. You know, I wasn't born and raised there, but I claim it because my whole family is from there. So mm. I've been there so much, I might as well have grew up there. Uh, we, we call Grand Rapids Big Rapids when uh, whenever it's time to go there. Um, now, tell me something, uh, maybe like on your upbringing that kind of like sent you down the path that you're on now. Yeah, man. Listen, my my, my introduction into this business didn't come until college, in terms of the professional side of it. But sometimes when you're young, you don't realize. You're preparing yourself for a certain path at that time. Um, my brother, who's four years older than me, who actually lives here in uh, in Smyrna, in Metro Atlanta, um, when we were kids, he was you know he was the guy who drew the pictures. He's a very gifted artist. Uh, he could draw, he could sketch, and color. You know, players in their uniform based on what we looked at in a magazine to a T. Like he could do it down oh, wow. to the, the you know the most specific detail so he, he sketched the players and i would write and make up stories about them and we you know we collaborate and uh you know kind of do that as a form of entertainment we didn't like i said we didn't have xbox <laughs> so we had to entertain ourselves you know we had to come up with ways to to indulge our, our sports jones in 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 ways that coincided with the time so we did that built a wooden we took a wooden board and turned it into a court and he drew the court for Michigan State because Magic Johnson was our favorite player it was 45 minutes away mm. my home you know East Lansky is a nowhere drive from Grand Rapids so right. uh, we we created our own players he would sketch an entire team um, and we we do it on just regular old white paper and colored in with colored pencils and then we take the whole team Put them in, a, you know, wrap them up in a rubber band and put them in a shoebox. Hmm. We take teams out and you know play imaginary games and announce them. And I would sit there and write short stories about it, you know, two three paragraphs about whatever the game was, you know. And it's basically modeled after what we read in the newspapers that my dad would have down on our kitchen table all the time. So that's you know, and that was when I was seven eight years old and. Oh, it grew from there, but only only in this respect that I, I wrote a lot when I was young, and I had a very creative imagination about sports and you know how to you know use it as a as a form of expression. And uh, it wasn't until I got to college and went to Jackson State that I actually 
got introduced to the business of uh, journalism. And, and that's, you know, my first year in school there is where I really got, you know, baptized into this business and really understood what it was about. Okay. Well, um, trying to figure out which way I want to go with that. But uh, now, have you been back to uh, Grand Rapids recently? Yeah, I was there uh, uh, in February, I think it was. No, January, late January. Before NBA All-Star Weekend, I went up. My dad and I went up for a few days to visit some people and see some uh, family and um, just popped in, flew in for a quick visit to check on some folks. You know, he's getting up there in age, and uh, he got to make the rounds, make sure everybody's doing well, and I want to make sure they get a chance to see him. So we went up there, and two of my sisters, my older sisters still live there, um, so we always get to go back and see family. Got to see one of my great nieces, you know, uh, was born the weekend we were there, so it turned out well. It was a good trip home. I only make it home a few times throughout the course of the year. I'm usually smarter than that. I don't go when the snow is on the ground, but <laughs> I tricked into going while there was snow on the ground this year. Um, but yeah, man, I still I, I still have an affinity for my hometown, and uh, and I love to go and and kind of go back, turn the clock back a little bit, and go see people there because I haven't lived there um, in 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time since I actually called my hometown, you know, my quote-unquote hometown in terms of living there and, and being there on a regular basis. Okay, because I'm, I'm really concerned just, like, from a social standpoint, uh, the state of Michigan, like, no pun intended, but the state of it. And, uh, like, I know at least in Saginaw and even parts of Detroit, it just, you know, it almost looks, you know, third-world country-like in some parts. So... I don't know what's going to happen soon, but I'm, I'm just hoping that things can kind of just start getting built back up in that part of the country. Yeah, I mean, the the Midwest and the Rust Belt took a beating with the recession, obviously. And uh, Michigan took it as hard as anybody with the auto industry and certainly other industries, you know, taking a dip. But I'm proud of the people who are up there, man, you know, fighting that good fight and trying to make sure they get it back on track. Uh you know, the te technology in my hometown, the medical industry, the tech industry um, is booming right now. Uh, you know, university system um, in at Michigan State has got a medical school in Grand Rapids, so it's, it's allowed for some growth that, you know, might not have been there otherwise. And, uh, but I agree with you, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, you see a vibrant community, man. I, I know my history about my state and, and certainly Detroit and some of these places where at one time the population was through the roof with people, hardworking folks, enjoying the fruits of their labors in terms of, you know, you can make a good living working at an auto plant and uh, or, you know, any subsidiary of, of one of those plants. And, and that era has changed. You know, that, that time has come and gone. And it's a different beast now. So it's... A lot of transition and change for the people up there, and you know, people gotta figure out a way to roll with it. Most definitely, man. Shout out to the whole Dirty Glove three one three Detroit Detroit podcast, um, and uh, shout out to my boy Jalen Rose, who also shouted out uh, my boy Draymond Green from the SAG. So uh, good looking out on all y'all. Now I want to talk about um, you know you say you went to Jackson State, that's in Alabama, right? Uh, Mississippi, Mississippi. Jackson, oh yeah. I'm thinking about the other one. I, um, all right, so you say you, you went there for journalism. And, uh, 
you know, then I'm guessing, did you get to the AJC right from there? No, I went, went to, I went to Jackson, um, you know, for college and, and I studied and, you know, while I was there, I was studying. I also worked at the Clarion Ledger, which is a daily, large daily newspaper in Mississippi. Um, so from my second year of school on, I worked at the paper and, you know, finished up my, my books and, um, Stayed there and worked at, at the Clarence Ledger after graduation for a few years. And then I went to the Indianapolis Star and worked there for five years. And then I came to the from Indianapolis to the AJC in 2005. So um, I had some other stops in between. I also interned in some places. I lived in Cleveland, um, in Poughkeepsie, New York, and, you know, made the rounds a little bit before I made my way here to uh, Atlanta. Okay. All right. So, uh... Let's talk about the ATL. I'm going to talk about the Hawks a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also want to ask you a little bit about your current job, too. Um, now, you came in, you said 2005. That's uh, that whole Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, um, well, I guess experiment um, that kind of <laughs> just landed the Hawks in, I guess, forever mediocrity. I, I just, I said, you know, around 2008, 2009, they're not going to get any farther, blow it up. Um, but I don't really want to talk X's and O's. I kind of want to talk more about uh, what it was like to cover the Hawks. Um, I just recently heard um, a podcast on True Hoop TV uh, mm -hmm. with Marcus Thompson, who currently is, is the beat writer for the Warriors. And um, he said he, ref he referred to you um, when y'all were both in the locker room at the same time as you know, the Hawks calling y'all the hip-hop sports reporters because they had two brothers in the locker room at the same time. Um, so, like, you know, how have things changed since then? And kind of, like, tell me a little bit about that time period. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad I missed that. Marcus is one of my uh, good friends over the years here, you know, in the business, obviously, and doing a fantastic job out the Bay Area. Um, so I got to go back and listen to that. But, it, you know... And it's it's a strange dynamic, you know. There was a time early in my career when, you know, the, you cover a team that's, you know, trying to rise up the ranks and get out of the, you know, the lottery mix every year. And those guys you mentioned, Josh Smith, Josh Childress, Joe Johnson, all those guys, I I don't associate them with mediocrity so much. I associate them as the guys who kind of dug the Hawks out of that hole, out of that stretch of a decade where they weren't in the playoffs they got them into the playoffs and into a streak that's going you know working on eight years now which is the longest in the eastern conference second longest in the league behind san antonio um so i have a different perspective on, on those guys I, have a, I happen to look at them as the guys who helped the hawks turn the corner and um you know yes yeah, it's, it's when you're a young black male covering the nba you walk into a locker room with a with a calling card that you can use in a positive way or not. You know, you got to go in there and be a professional um, and make sure you take serious the obligation to be a historian, you know, uh, of this thing. I, I've always felt working in newspapers and obviously in the digital world now that, you know, you're not just up there writing or talking about this stuff. You know, you have to be responsible with what you say, how you say it, and and be respectful of the fact that this is going to be stuff part of recorded history for not only yourself but for these players these organizations and the general public you know so you that's where the tenets of what we learn in school about journal 
journalism to me become extremely important. The accuracy, the accountability, you know, and, and the general understanding of how to do this job and do it properly. Okay. Now, out of that whole um, era, you know, out of the, like, you know, Josh Smith and all those guys, like, who enjoyed Atlanta the most? Because, you know, the, the A is notorious for its gentleman establishments and, you know, very vibrant nightlife. Um you know, even Dominique, you know, said that he had a club at one time where he used to be the best host uh, for opposing players. And basically he could see the fatigue on their faces the next day. Um, so, like, out of that camp, who kind of, like, loved Atlanta the most? You think, I, I mean, are you asking out of the players on that Hawks team? Yeah. Uh, well, I think it was different. For Josh Smith, it's, it's unique, you know, being from here. Oh, yes. Um, I think there were some inherent pressures on him that the other guys didn't have to deal with. And that might have, you know, curbed his enthusiasm to enjoy his hometown as an adult and as a young man the way he really could someplace else. Um, because when you get away from home, obviously, you're not bound by, you know, the restrictions of, hey, you know, everybody knows your name, your story, your history. Um, you may run into people that even in a city this you know this size a metropolitan area this magnitude six million people whatever it is now um you know there's some familiarity there with the public and yourself that doesn't allow you the freedoms that a guy like say marvin williams who comes all the way from seattle goes to north carolina and comes here or josh children comes all the way from la goes to stanford comes to the you know atlanta and the hawks um you know i would say that this is a city and a situation tailor-made for a lot of those guys, but nobody uh, more so than Marvin Williams, you know, and he was the guy obviously who was drafted a couple years later um, into that era, that Billy Knight era when Billy was running the franchise. And, you know, this was a chance for Marvin to experience a city that's completely different from Seattle. My best friend um, is from Seattle and is the assistant bullet. Rainier Beach High School, where Jamal Crawford, Nate Robinson, a lot of guys who have played in the NBA um, are from. And I've been out there and spent expensive time. In, and this, this is a, a culturally, it's a world away from Atlanta. So to see Marvin Williams come here as a teenager, basically, he's 19 years old, you know, 20 years old, when he got his toes wet in this town, um, was really interesting and intriguing because it was culture shock and a shell shocking of for a guy who really, you know, at his age and with his temperament was was not maybe ready for what Atlanta can do to you at that age, you know, at that stage of your life. So it was – but I think all of those guys enjoyed it tremendously, man. This, Atlanta, to me, gets a bad rap as a being a bad sports town and front-running fans. There's front-running fans everywhere. Fans all over the country who only want to come out when their team is rolling. Um but there are a lot of people here who live and die with the Hawks and with these sports teams around Atlanta. And I've lived here long enough to know the difference between true diehard fans and, and Fairweather fans. And there are plenty of both here, just like there are everywhere else. All right. That was part one of our chat with uh, Seiku Smith from NBA.com's Hang Time blog and podcast. Um, still had a lot more to say about the Hawks. Um, and pretty much just the NBA in general. So uh, y'all stay tuned for part two. I'm out here. Peace.